Hello, my name is Alex, and I will be reading Chapter 2, A Frightened Rabbit Can Truly Be Scared to Death. Pepper's stories always began with the words, It happened once. After that, each story took its own twists and turns, like a stream running this way or that way around the rocks. But it always ended up with the words, So it was. When I was, when I was little and my grandparents were still alive, Owen and I used to visit Pepper and Mimer every summer at their house, half a day away up north in Quebec, Canada. Dad would drop us off and pick us up a few weeks later. Even though Owen and I only ever lived with Pepper and Mimer when we visited, Mimer always greeted us with, You've come home! And she made it feel like home. I loved belonging there on the farm where Dad grew up. In the early morning, Piper would wake up Owen and me and we'd go out in the fields as the sun came up. By mid-morning, we'd have big baskets full of vegetables or berries. Then we'd help Mimer bake things to eat and sell. If I didn't know how to use the steffer or how, to small, how small to cut the strawberries, Mimer would say, watch. She'd move her hand slowly so I could see every movement her fingers made. At home, that would have felt like work, but it never did at Mimer and Pepper's. And as we picked and baked, Pepper would tell us stories. He knew the name of every wild animal in the woods and skies around the farm and spoke to them like friends. He called the animals and birds by their name in French, like Monsieur Castor the beaver, Madame Trutu the turtle, Monsieur Renard the fox, Monsieur Corbeau the cow, the crow, Madame Stilet the nut, um, the nuthatch, and Monsieur Ubu the owl. My favorite stories were about Monsieur Lapine, a cottontail rabbit, cottontail rabbit who was always getting into trouble. Sometimes he'd trick his way out. Other times he learned a lesson. This lesson never stuck too well, though. In the next story, he'd be back in trouble. None of the other animals held it against him. It was just who he was. If a rabbit popped up in the vegetable rows, Pepper would say, Bonjour, Monsieur Lapine. I asked Pepper once why he called every rabbit Monsieur Lapine, when really there could only be one. Every rabbit has some of Monsieur Lapine magic, he said. Rabbit magic is a powerful thing. As Dad drove, I watched out the window and thought how tomorrow would be like the border, the broader crossing Quebec. You drive through the checkpoint and there's a whole different country on the other side. School would change a lot of things. There might be a whole different me on the other side of tomorrow. I took a deep breath, the way Pepper always did, to pull a story inside me. It happened once. I said to Dad, beside me in the truck. Monsieur Lapin was running away from that sneaky fox, Monsieur Renard. He jumped through a picket fence and got stuck. Dad smiled. He grew up with Pepper's stories too. Monsieur Lapin wouldn't need a game warden to free him, would he? He'd trick Monsieur Castro into chewing the fence down with his sharp teeth. 
or he'd tell Madame Sittel there were tasty bugs in the wooden pickets, I said. She and her non-hatch family would come and pick the fence apart looking for them. Dad passed a Massachusetts car driving slowly in front of us. Local people call the road we live on Moose Alley. It's a major road for us, connecting a small town with an even smaller one right on the edge of the big wood stretching up to Canada. On the road on the roadside and brushy areas and marshes where moose like to gaze. As it gets close to dark or, ev or very early in the morning, we get extra cars with out-of-state license plates. That's the time the guidebook tells you to go look looking if you want to see Monsieur Reginald. I've seen moose at all times of day, though moose, moose don't read the guidebooks. Moose Alley doesn't even need a line painted down in the middle because you can drive the whole 30 miles of it from town to town and only meet a handful of cars and a few logging trucks. People from away call, part, call our part of Maine the sticks. Which is true, I guess. We have no shortage of sticks. That turned the truck into a small dirt road cutting through the woods. It was mostly a camp road, a road you could drive right past and not even see it. But the kind of road where things always seem to happen in Pepper's stories. I breathed in the chemistry scent of pine and spruce through the open window. Okay, hmm, that said, turning on his headlight to see better. Help me look for the house now. The lady said it was number 63. At first, I thought he was kidding. There were hardly any houses. Certainly no 63 of them, but there were a few numbers nailed on the trees and they seemed to jump 10 or more at a time. As we passed each house or camp, I looked for bikes and toys, clues that a kid lived here. There were lots of things I was hoping for tomorrow at school, but making new friends was number one. Maybe I'd even make a best friend. I really wanted to be half of an... And you like you see in books, Calvin and Hobbes, Frodo and Sam, Charlotte and Wilbur. Maybe we'd maybe we'd solve a mysteries together, or dress up as things one and thing two for Halloween, or be correspondents of our own club, and we'd never miss each other because we'd see each other every day at school. I'd even made it a list. Emma's best friend checklist, likes me best, likes the things I like, shares secret jokes, is always on my side, let me be me, forgive me when I'm sorry, you know, that kind of things. I just wrote down everything I missed with Owen, it's not that I didn't have other friends, kids from church and homeschool group, but when you live in a place where the houses are far apart, it takes some planning to see other kids. Owen had always been there. That's what I missed most, just him being there. And the worst part was that like the liked school, listening to all his stories, I couldn't help wondering if I were missing out on something big. This must be it, Dad said. Up ahead was a clearing with a small gray house and a 
a white picket fence out front. No bikes, no toys, just an older woman outside holding a broom. As we got out of the truck, she called to us. I tried to poke the rabbit through, but he's wedged in there, right? Poke him through. I disliked her immediately. Don't touch him, ma'am. Dad shouted back pleasantly. He has to be nice to everyone, unless they are breaking in the law. I guess there wasn't an actual law about poking a rabbit with a broom. Dad grabbed his toolbox from the back of the truck and gave me the plastic bin and lead. As I got closer to the fence, I gasped. The rabbit certainly was stuck. His back feet and little puffed tail dangled on one side, his head and front feet on the other. But what shook me was how small he was. And he wasn't medium brown like a cotton trail, like a cotton trail rabbit or a rusty tan like a snowshoe hair in a summer. He was a soft honey golden color with a brown nose and front paws. He seemed to be frozen in fear, except for his little back raising and falling with each breath. Well, there's a surprise, that's it. Do any of your neighbors have a pet rabbit? The woman shook her head. Not that I know of. Dad stroked his chin, thinking, Look, I'm glad to free it, but as a game warden, I only deal with wildlife. You need to call your local animal control officer to come get this bunny. They handle pets. How long will that take? The woman asked. Um, I'm supposed to be at the meeting? I can give you this bin to keep him in until animal control gets here, Dad said. But I can't. Let it hop back into the woods, the woman said. That's where rabbits belong. Not this rabbit, I said. He's not wild. She shot me an angry look. Well, he's not my rabbit. I turned to my dad. You know, he doesn't stand a chance in the woods. Not with all those foxes, lynx, and owls. Dad looked, dad looked from the lady to the rabbit to me. Well, there's no need for him to suffer while we figure it out. He leaned down and ran his fingers along the rabbit's sides. His ribs are too round to go forward. So let's try easing him back the way he came. Aim, take the bend and get behind him but not too close to those hind legs. Even a little bunny got a kick. The bin was ridiculously huge for such a tiny rabbit. It won't jump up and attack us, will it? The woman asked. I saw that trying not to smile. I don't think so, but maybe you'd like to go in your house, ma'am. Just in case. Emma and I are trained rabbit wranglers, but I can't guarantee your safety. I bit the inside of my lip so I wouldn't giggle. The woman didn't look like she believed that, but she took some steps backward anyway. The rabbit's, the rabbit's hand legs were hanging down limp on my side of the fence, but his little tail twitched. My hands were aching to touch him and see if he was as soft as he looked, but I didn't want to scare him even more. Don't worry. I said, sitting on the ground behind him. We're here to help you. Between the pickets, I watched Dad's hand on the rabbit's shoulder. 
Come on, don't fight it, he said, turning the rabbit gently. You're squeezed in here pretty good. It's going to take some more to get you out. The bunny's hand legs started kicking, wiggling him a little more into my side. It's helping, I said. He's coming. Good. Set the bin on its side so he'll back into it. That said. Then as soon as he's inside, tip it upright in through the lid on. As I was reaching for the bin, the rabbit gave a mighty kick and suddenly he was out. For one second, he looked toward the woods and I saw it, that the same flash of wild in his eyes, seeing freedom. Then he leaped the funny little jump spin landing on my leg. Maybe he was just so happy to be out of the fence that he couldn't help himself. But it gave me the chance to grab him. Got him. Great job, Em. Dad turned to look behind him. Ma'am, let's call your local. But the lady was already in her car. Well, what do you expect me to do with him? Dad called. Her car windows were rolled up through. She backed out of the driveway and took off down the road. Dad and I stood there listening to the sound of her tires crunching the rocks. I held the rabbit against me. His hand legs tucked into the crook of my elbow. He was scared to death. Still, a stone expect for his heart beating wildly under my hand and his whiskers tickling my neck with each panting breathing. You can't leave him here, I told Dad firmly. That lady doesn't care what happened to him. The nearest animal shelter is in Wrangley, but I'm sure they are closed for the night now. That said, I guess we could bring him home and then I could take him to the shelter in the morning. I tried to act calm when really I felt like dancing. I couldn't wait to show Owen. Can we go after school? We risked him together and I want to be there. I suppose so, Dad said. But we'd better drive to the store and see if they sell rabbit food. And carrots? Walking back to the truck, the rabbit his, hid his face against my neck. His golden fur surrounded by my red hair. When an animal trusts you, it fills you up with a warm feeling. I rested my cheek against his ears. They were softer than I'd ever imagined. Are you sure you don't want to put him in the bin? Dad asked. He might have ticks or fleas. Nope, I'll carry him and I'll check us both for bugs when we get home. Dad threw the bin in the back of the truck some days just don't end the way you think they will, he said. But I guess that's what makes life an adventure. As we drove back down the road through the woods, the rabbit stared at me. There was a soft look in his eyes. It could have been thank you or wonder at the world flying past outside the window. Finding him felt like a sign. Prepare sending me some rabbit magic to say everything was going to be okay tomorrow. Maybe this really is Monsieur Lapine, I joked, I joked to Dad, because he's already tricked us into rescuing him and feeding him. Dad laughed. Yes, he has. As he turned the truck back into Moose Alley, I pulled in a deep breath. It happened once, Monsieur Lapine. 
was running away from Monsieur Renard and jumped through a fence and got stuck, so he pretended to be a helpless little pet bunny. He convinced a main game warden and his daughter to save him, bring him home, and give him a feast of carrots. Dad nodded. So it was. Looking at the rabbit in my arms, my heart hurt, but in a good way. I'd heard of love. Love at first sight, but I'd always wondered if that was a real thing or just something people said. But that's how it felt. I loved him already. It's a powerful thing to rescue something. It changes both of us.